Okay. So we're live. Well, tonight's guest uh, might not need an introduction for a lot of you, but maybe some of the folks listening don't know. But uh, by way of uh, Syracuse, New York, proud upstate New Yorker, um, high school lacrosse Hall of Famer, Navy lacrosse Hall of Famer, or... One-time Wegmans employee. (laughs) Played played in the national championship game at Navy. Um, Naval surface warfare officer to commercial real estate mogul sitting here. It's it's great. Don't don't struggle too hard. (laughs) And uh, it's great to finally have him. His wife and family are dear friends of of ours. Um, We live just a couple couple doors down. It's great to finally have the man, the myth, the legend, Pat O'Reilly, sitting right here with me. Good to be here. it's a miracle that it's taken us this long to do this. We've tried about like four or five times, and it's only a 15-second walk to the studio for both of us. You're a tough, you're a tough man to get a hold of. You got a I lot know, of things I don't know about that. nowadays. So, so I have a question. This is uh, you've had a couple practice rounds, a couple real runs. Is it? awkward hearing yourself in the playback like is it like you, know, you hear about those actors who like never watch like a movie that they actually like produced or were in and it's like you know like it's just strange <laughs> great question it is it's incredibly awkward i hate it actually yeah but some of the good good of doing this is giving me the the chance to listen and kind of refine how i hopefully talk and sound get used to it and be a little bit more conscious of that Right. When I'm talking to folks, because that's kind of what I do on a day to day. But, yeah, I still am not used to it. I'm not a big fan of listening to myself. No, it's it's <laughs> so. kind of like, uh, I don't know, at least for me, like, you know, make videos and stuff. It's like, uh, it's kind of like cringeworthy watching yeah. yourself. Like, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's fun making it. it totally. It's and fun if, making it. And, you know, like, like <laughs> if you ask if you ask anybody that knows me, I think I, I jokingly say sometimes I will never say in 15 words what I could say in 100. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that I don't like to listen to myself is might be a shocker to some people. Well, but, uh, yeah, totally, man. Well, the, the learning but, curve is you've, you've shortened it by uh, immensely in the short time you've been doing this. Trying to, man. So cheers. Good to have you. Cheers. Um, so where, where to start? You know, I probably just start from the beginning. So born and raised in upstate New York, huh? You know, Syracuse, I, born and bred. You know, I think upstate gets a, you know, everyone gives it a bad rap for the weather. I mean, let's, let's be honest. It takes a special breed to, to live up there, you know. <laughs> and uh, what can I say? I've, I've got that kind of pedigree. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> upstate. We Whenever we go back up, we always contemplate, oh, could we live back up there? Because there's times where you're like, yeah, this is, <clears throat> it's like, it's all. Uh, it's a slower pace of life for yeah. sure. It's like more relaxed and just kind of go with the flow. You don't have to deal with any traffic and all Was that stuff. Was it a small town then, obviously? Like, uh, you know, I wouldn't call it a small town. I mean, like Syracuse is a urban so you guys metro. Are... I mean, Syracuse got gangs yeah. and like, you know, yeah, we got yeah. the, I mean, yeah. you know, like <laughs> stealing cows and, you know. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, no, like suburban, just kind of like, you know, um, but you get, you don't have to go too far to get into you know farm country yeah. you know so yeah. in the sticks um, yeah I was I was actually thinking about out, out in the boonies as yeah. my wife would say yeah that's that's where Martha lived <laughs> she lived out in the boonies but um, it was actually funny like growing up like going out to her house like she lives like in the middle of nowhere yeah. like you know and it was like <laughs> five minutes away from where I lived <laughs> um, but yeah a lot, a a lot of open land a lot of open land. Um, a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of space to do a lot of yeah. 
get into a lot of trouble. No, I know. But, um, Baltimore can be that way too. Like Baltimore County. Yeah. Yeah. Get some so, farmland out there. So yeah. a five minute ride nowadays when you're a kid is might as well be the other side of the world. Yeah. Especially on a bike. Yeah. But you had so you had um one brother and one sister, right? One brother and one sister okay. and in the middle. Split split the uprights. Okay. Th- three years on each side. So um I don't know what I should say about this. I'm not sure that. What about uh, mom and dad, right? You grew up with a, yeah, both got mom a, and yeah, dad. Mom and dad. Household. Mom and dad. Uh, what do they celebrate? Uh, 46 years? 46 wow. years? Are they, both year? for, are they both from upstate New York? Both from originally? upstate New York. Wow. Born, bred, never left. Okay. Uh, both went to, mom went to uh, college at Oswego with Jerry Seinfeld. Just oh, wow. you know, just no a, not 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 a lot of people know that Jerry Seinfeld, Oswego, SUNY Oswego grad. Yeah, actually, I, I don't know that he actually graduated, but um, <laughs> uh, and Dad went to University of Buffalo. Brother went to University of Buffalo. Go Bills! <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, what did your uh, What did your mom and dad do? Uh, mom was a school teacher, Syracuse City School District. It was actually really interesting. So, she used to she taught in an urban you know city and like she taught she taught a lot of different grades but primarily like math elementary school math but kids who had like nothing parents like could have cared less like in a lot of instances and like uh, occasionally she would develop relationships with students and she would bring some of them sometimes i don't think you could probably get away with this these days but she would like try and give them an outlet and like you know just to not be in their home life, the tough, tough um, home situation. So she'd bring them to our house, like, occasionally. And we had, get this, we had a pool. You know what kind of pool we had? <laughs> we had the above, the, <laughs> the faux above-ground pool. We built a deck around it so it seemed like it was in ground. Yeah. Um, but she would bring, like, uh, a, a kid, and he would see, like, a pool, and he would be like, these people are rich. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, if you actually had a pool. Yeah. You know, never mind the fact that it was an above ground um, and that it was cold as shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, like just kids who didn't have a lot at all. So it was, you know, what, it was kind of uh, eye opening. What grades again? Uh, fourth, fifth, sixth. Okay. Like she, she taught, you know, uh, a number of different grades over the course of her career. But yeah. Wow. What was that like so, having a teacher for a mom? Uh, she was, she was a discipline here it was interesting like there my dad like didn't say much like you could never tell when he would get mad uh he was just so even keeled mm-hmm. and my mom she had no problem telling you how what she felt <laughs> what she thought um didn't tell yeah. didn't mind telling him either yeah right? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah so still doesn't still doesn't <laughs> yeah. um so uh yeah it was it was a uh, and and my dad was a uh, he sold uh, basically like school furniture. And like, a school district was doing a renovation to one of their schools. He would like sell the bleachers and the chairs and the science lab benches. And so he had territories basically like from Albany to Rochester. And then like, you know, uh, from you call it Ithaca, like all the way up to like Watertown. So basically really almost all of upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um but I remember in the summertime, so like a lot of renovations happened at these schools uh, when during the summertime when there was school was out and there was like these schools were empty and they were doing these just gut renovations and like new lockers would come in and 
So my dad would do the sales and then he would have to coordinate the logistics, make sure his customer got the, you know, the goods. And so they'd show up in these, you know, 18 wheelers. My dad would meet the driver there and they'd offload them. And he would hire like, my dad would hire like me and, you know, like two of my buddies to like just unbox, unwrap, you know, put together like, you know, 300 desks over like, you know, (laughs) three days or something like that you totally want to be doing yeah and so like you know you're just like you you want to sleep till like 10 o'clock and you're like he's like oh we got we got to be at the school district it's like an hour away so we're like we leave at 6 30 so you can meet the truck there at eight and like you know just work all day so um i mean it taught you hard work though right from yeah for sure yeah like well and you weren't working a farm like right well so i would say like we were never uh, we were always into sports, like, you know, always playing sports. So <clears throat> were they, were so, your mom and dad big, like when they grew up, were they like athletes? Was uh, that big for them? I mean, your dad's a, a dominant pickleball yeah, player. Yeah. Big, now. big time pickleball. Um, surprisingly, they didn't have pickleball back then. Um, <laughs> uh, no, like good athletes. Yeah. Like my dad played basketball growing up. But and play baseball like rec league stuff, but okay. um, but, but what I was, was going to say it was like, like college. It wasn't like a college athlete or yeah. anything like that. No, 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 no. But um, like never re- parents like never required us to work. Like it was always like you know, school is your job, school and like you know athletics, like yeah. that's your job. But oh, by the way, like we're also not gonna like just if you want to do stuff, like we're not paying for you to do all this stuff. So it's like, yeah, you can have, you can use our car anytime you want. We're not putting gas in it for you. So like, <laughs> it was kind of like, you don't have to work, but you kind of have to work, yeah. you know? So it was yeah. a little bit, and then and like, I would do it during the summers, you know? Yeah. So it was that. And <laughs> when, then, when did you start working at the great Wegmans? Uh, well, store? I lasted nine months at Wegmans, but, but it wait, was, when did you start? I started, um, let's see maybe my junior year of high school pushing okay. carts in the lot yeah and then if i, 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 then if I got I was a car guy were you yeah i started out as a oh, car so, guy before i did st- so great great story great story uh martha was a cashier <laughs> was, i was so, in the lot <laughs> okay and then <laughs> occasionally she would sub and she would push carts in the lot too mm-hmm. and i mean you're pushing carts in the parking lot in, in like January yeah. and February in Syracuse and like you've got ice and the thing the wheels oh, don't man. work and you got the floppy wheel and then you like people leave them at the far yeah, end yeah, yeah. of the parking lot so, this is before they had the corrals right yeah so strategically I would always pull into the lot and I'd park in the very back of the lot and like every like 20 minutes I would just get in my car and just thaw out <laughs> like we would get in the yeah. car and just like thaw out I, I did it at a place called Metro Food Markets in Baltimore and number one, the first couple weeks I stressed out because I'm I'm a perfectionist and I wanted all the carts back there. Yeah. And no sooner did I get all the carts back than people obviously started taking yeah. the carts. Yeah. And you know, it took me a little while to kind of realize, hey, this isn't the goal is not to get them all. Yeah. Right? Operational so, efficiency. Right. You so minimize the number of go. trips. You got to get yeah. you got to get a critical mass yeah. before it's worthwhile to go out there and corral. Them. Totally. Yeah. But I remember one time it was. I mean, it's not Syracuse. It was cold though in Baltimore and. It was like it had just been after a snowstorm, freezing, and they gave me like the issued store jacket, yeah. which was probably like 15 years old. All the down had fallen out. It was basically like a shell, you know. And I'm standing out there freezing, and nobody's coming because like 
everything's shut down because the whole city's frozen over. But I had to be there. And I remember I was standing inside like the first doors to kind of warm up. And the manager came out and told me I had to be out front. And I'm like, why? And he told me, you have to you have to be a presence to let everybody know that this store is still open. I'm like, as if the lights being on is not enough of a presence, you know, and a sign. Yeah, it's just, but, yeah, it's just uh, your so demeanor. I, you just you give off that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah my, my uh, aura. But so anyway, all right, you were, so you're working at Wegmans, and that's when uh, Wegmans. there was a uh, a little damsel working working cashier as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, um, we just happened to work actually. My so I worked there for nine nine months maybe nine months because I needed uh, let's see it was like my junior year and I needed to like earn some I need money for something and then I found out I got into the naval academy and I was like. Oh, because Wegmans offered college scholarships. Wow. And so you got, like, if you had, like, you had to work there for, like, a minimum of, like, a, I don't know, however many hours you had to put in before you were eligible for the scholarship. Okay. And, uh, and then I found out I got into the Naval Academy. I was like, peace. And I'm like, this job. I'm like, yeah. So. But back, um, let's back up. So you, you're there during high school, but you're also obviously playing lacrosse. And playing basketball, yeah. so so oh, the high only school like sports were sports, sports were, were like there, I didn't do I didn't really work at all much through the school year. It was like I tried to work during the summer. So the be, the best job was working at the New York State Fair. So the fair is ten days long, from like August twentieth through Labor Day, mm-hmm. and. Um, <clears throat> And then you, like, have to work, you know, maybe, like, two days, two, three days beforehand. So, I don't know. It's, like, maybe a two-week period where you can you work, like, probably 14, 16-hour days. Mm. And you're literally flipping burgers, restocking the cooler and just, I mean, you're just so nasty and gross. You're behind a, and just, like, dripping sweat, grease. I used to, I remember at the end of the week, I would just throw my shoes away because it wasn't even like worth like, <laughs> you were just like skating around back there because it was just so greasy and nasty. And like you'd go, you'd go in like the beer cooler to like, just like just kind of kind of cool, yeah, cool off. Yeah. Um, but that was good because like you just, you'd, you'd make some, some good money in a short period of time, but you, you worked, you worked hard. Like, yeah. Did your parents, like there. you were saying, they would give you things, but you were expected to kind of work. Did they force you, like, during school year and season? Did you have to have a job as well? No. They used to do things like, oh, yeah, that, if you want to do that, that's fine. Like, yeah. we'll pay for half of it. Well, okay, like, well, I guess I got to figure out a way to pay for the other half. Um, yeah. You know, just whatever. It's just random stuff. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I remember one time, so I used to do all, like, if I could make quick money, um, I used to like pick up extra paper routes. I never had my own paper route, but like friends who had like, and they were like every, who didn't play sports and like had to go every day after school and like deliver the paper. And then like the Sunday morning one was the one that sucked because yeah. it needed to be delivered by like 7 a.m., yeah. 6.30 a.m. So like they were delivered at 5.30. So I knew if they were like on vacation or something, like, hey, I could sub in for a week. And I remember there was like, there was a stereo that I wanted. And I don't know, I think it was like maybe... I think it was like 80 bucks or something like that. And it had like you, two speakers on each side. You could detach them. It had a CD player in it. it had the dual cassette, like this thing. Like, uh, I just, I remember I really wanted it. And I, 
I figured out a way to like scratch together like odd jobs like within like a week and a half to like come up with 80 bucks and to, to buy that stereo so but it was like yeah no i never like had a consistent job it was always like target of opportunity okay like i yeah. can make some good money for a short amount of period during the during the summer and okay. yeah so but it was it was good living upstate you yeah. know like you know good taught you uh good work ethic and you know just down-to-earth people and you know so did your parents um did anybody else in your family have like <clears throat> a military background? Uh, like what got you well, interested in, in, in Navy? Uh, I don't want to skip over too yeah, much of no. high school like playing plan sports there. No. But. Well, I mean, that's kind of – so I came down – my father's best friend from high school grew up in Syracuse, went to Christian Brothers Academy together, and he ended up – he actually worked for the um, – he was actually the number two at the Bureau of uh, Federal Bureau of Prisons in D.C., and he lived in Crofton. So when I was a sophomore, maybe like a freshman or sophomore in high school, came down to we came down to visit him, went to an O's game, and he just like nice. took us on a tour of this yeah. naval academy. I didn't know what the naval academy was. And I was yeah. like, oh, cool. I don't. I didn't really understand what it was or anything like that. So cool, whatever. Um, and then. I guess it was like a tourist attraction. It was like, it, I mean, it was, it was the equivalent of going to visit like a cathedral in Europe for me. Like I could have cared less. It was like historical, like these old buildings. And, um, so did that, that was my first exposure to it, but didn't really have any interest or desire. Or, um, and then it wasn't until, it, it wasn't until I started getting recruited for lacrosse that like, oh, I guess I should figure out more about this place or what this thing is about so i mean obviously you were pretty good in high school as a lacrosse player to get attention from uh, a d1 program yeah, yeah had, you, I, had you like i think like did you play growing up the whole time too or did so, you just get in lacrosse in high school no so like my, um my high school growing up like that's what you did like lacrosse like we i think they've won i don't know 14 or 15 state championships in new york and um like you start playing, you start. I probably started playing lacrosse when I was five, oh, something like that. Okay. And that was like back in the, you know, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. So, um, I mean, everyone played lacrosse growing up. Like the summer, we had a summer program. Played box, like all that stuff. It's just like what you did. So, like, kind of grew up with a stick, learning, you know, to play. Um, but honestly, it got to a point where. Like, I felt like I was playing lacrosse because that's what I was supposed to be doing. I was playing lacrosse because that's what everyone did. When? In high school? In high school. Really? Yeah. And so my sophomore year of high school, no, yeah, my sophomore year of high school, I quit lacrosse. Like, I stopped playing. And I told our lacrosse coach, and he's like, you know, you're making a huge mistake, right? And I was like, oh. It was because I really like basketball. I like playing basketball. Um uh, one of my great friends who uh, is actually the head basketball coach at Catholic University now, um, he and I, we played during the winter for our school, and then we decided we were going to play AAU basketball uh, in the spring, which is when lacrosse is. Did you play against Adam Hudson? <laughs> did not play against Adam Hudson. But uh, I think Aaron and I were the only two white kids on the AAU, on our AAU team. So it's funny. This is back when, like, Birkenstocks were, like, a thing. Yeah, yeah. So, like, 
all the other guys on the team used to call me Jesus. Like, you know, get the ball with Jesus. Um, That's great. So it's kind of funny. Like, did, you ever, did you ever wear Birkenstocks? Yeah. Like, with, yeah uh, wait, I, I but didn't with do like, minute, but I did. With um, like the wool socks. Did you no, ever do that? No, I never did that. I never, uh, no. I never okay, I'm trying full, to think. Never went full Berkeley <laughs> style. <laughs> no. I didn't even know what Berkeley was back yeah, then. But yeah, yeah. Oh, God. No, so yeah, Jesus. Like. Yeah. Not Jesus Shuttlesworth either. Uh, um, so you were like, you were, so you were going to quit because so you love basketball. So I quit because I love basketball. And I was like, right. oh, I'm going to give this a shot. Like, yeah. try it. And it became pretty evident that. There was, there was a pretty, pretty, pretty low ceiling on my <laughs> basketball career, at least at the next level. So, Sounds um, very similar to somebody else we talked yeah, to on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I got back into lacrosse my junior year and, you know, had a good junior year. And, um, you know, school was, you know, well known for lacrosse. So. Just, I, just a game. I mean, you're just no big deal. You're. High school across Hall well, of Fame. Well, right. Oh, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's funny you look at it now and it's like, oh, man, like, kid, the kids who play now are so athletic. Like, I have no idea if I could even play, like, now. You know what I mean? Like, just, yeah. the, like, the eras. And yeah. the, But then you looked at, like, the people who played, like, a decade before you and you're like, these guys, like, were supposedly, like, amazing and, like, they could never play in, like, yeah. my area. But So it's always just, like, that comparison. But, yeah, and, but you play two sports, too, right? Like, there's, like, a yeah. whole conversation now about people – specializing too early right and not playing multiple sports and yeah the benefits of like basketball probably helped with your footwork yeah and lacrosse and vice versa right? yeah and that was never like as for as as strong as an impression and influence and authority as our lacrosse program and our lacrosse coach had he always like encouraged people to play whether it be football or basketball or wrestling or any of those things like That's it wasn't awesome. it wasn't yeah, like it wasn't like no we want year year round yeah now expected you during the summer to like be going to like the camps and like you know his you know, the camps and just like right. working on you know if you didn't if he didn't see you all summer that was a problem but yeah but like during the school year playing other sports like yeah that was that was expected that's kind of i mean that's kind of awesome yeah right yeah. what uh so then catch us up you playing lacrosse what really Besides that trip, got you interested in in Navy? Uh, I think it was just the whole, like, in high school, like most high schoolers, it was like, you know, the whole idea was like, I'm going to go to college, going to have a really good time. Like, you know, just that was the thought. Like, yeah. but then, like, as I started to explore, like Navy Moon, I'm like, oh, this, this stuff's kind of, kind of cool. Like, it's a little different. Uh, it could be kind of cool to do something a little different during the summers and, you know, opportunities of things like I'd never thought I'd even be like qualified or eligible your, to do. Like, what did your parents think? Were, uh, so, you know, some people's parents are like, wait, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. If my, like, again, my dad, very even, even keeled. I don't know if like inside he was like pumping his fists, like super excited. Yeah. Like, um, my mom was again very vocal. Like my my grandfather um, served in the military, and then he worked for GE, and he worked on um, like submarine transducers. And, oh, cool! You know, so yeah. he were you know, uh, engineer. Yeah, yeah, and so like he had an appreciation for the Navy, and so like my mom, I think, was like 
she was she was like she was yeah, she was pushing she was, she was pushing hard yeah. yeah like i wanted to go to unc i was like oh unc is amazing i went down to visit i was like this is gonna be great well i don't i don't we we would never get to see you play it's too far like all this stuff like, <laughs> you're like mom come on like, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was a good visit um but uh yeah, so it was just like, oh, it's just something a little different. Did you think about what you would do after graduation? Did you have like a no. path at that point, or you were just like, okay, no. cool, I could I could go to Navy, I'll figure it out when I get there. Yeah, like, I'm gonna play like, lacrosse for a good yeah. good program. Yeah, no, yeah. I um, I was 18. I didn't think yeah, I had no yeah. idea, but I do remember like, uh, coaches at Navy recruit like, oh, so like, what, what do you before I like said I was gonna go there like what are you thinking about like majoring and also I was like, I don't know, like business. <laughs> and I go, oh, well, you can major, you can come to the academy and like major in economics and then like become a supply officer. And like, that's like, that's like business. And yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Um, not exactly, but, uh, but yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't really have a clue. I was just, I was just trying well, to get through <laughs> I was going to say like, what was it, yeah. what was it like when you first showed up? Like, I mean, were you expecting? Was I had it no what idea you expected what you, or no? no I had yeah. no I had zero you show clue. Up with like a book bag, ready to go to class, kind of thing. No, like some of those no. Things. I mean, like you know, I did enough. You know, talked to enough people. It's like okay, you don't show up with anything, like whatever, and they put it all. You knew there was going to be a yeah, 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 You're not an idiot. And but. like I, I don't know. Maybe it's part of the, just like I could see like, a lot of it was like a test. Like I didn't you know whatever it was it was kind of funny to me yeah. you know like most of it, it was just like yeah I played the game i was really good at playing the game you yeah know? you yeah. know it was just like you know, don't laugh in their faces you know laugh, yeah. don't laugh out loud but laugh yeah. you know don't take it too seriously right you like, this you, isn't life or death yeah you knew what it was you yeah. knew what was going yeah, on yeah. yeah so that's cool and like you were with great teammates too yeah great, yeah that great team and yeah yeah so yeah. i was actually a uh it was tailgate last weekend we were um there's a plebe who was hanging out in the tailgate before the game it's like march on i was like uh, you could see him get like real uptight i was like hey it's like are you supposed to be marching on and he goes uh he's like no sir and i was like first of all you know i was like no i was like what what, like how did how did you like why why aren't you marching he's like I'm a wrestler. I was like, you pick a quick learner. You picked it up real quick. Like, he's like, I was like, it's yeah. pissed to be an athlete. Yeah. 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 So, that but, but yeah, you can see him get real nervous. But I was like, games. oh man, second home game. You've already figured it out. Like, uh, man, so. you rape, you rape and you skate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at, uh, well, at the Academy then, I mean, you were on some really good teams, right? Your junior year, you guys yeah. made it to the national championship. Talk about yeah. that a little bit. What was what was it like being with uh, that group of guys? Well, I think it was. You have to go back to the year before, and we did. We had, I don't know. I'll say, a mediocre year, an average year, maybe a little bit below average, like nothing special. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, and so we weren't on anyone's radar um, that that year, my junior year, and. Um, it was just a really cool environment because it wasn't there was like no egos everyone just it, everyone just had fun it wasn't uptight everyone was just uh kind of got a chance to be themselves be the 
the type of player. Um, and this I think was, there this was, was your sophomore year? No, no, no. no. This, this was this, that this, year. This the is year the junior year. Right, yeah, right. I was saying the okay. year before. There was no expectations, really, from like, us. Based on that year. Based on the year previously. <clears throat> oh, okay. Like, we had um, – so I don't really think anyone was – expecting big things from us and so it was kind of there's like it was a no pressure situation yeah i think um the the coaching staff adjusted and started to let guys be themselves on the field instead of trying to have like a super tight grip on how things ran and be more mechanical and methodical about like you know you know where people were and just like was that let because, players be their personalities because of no expectation or was it because of no because particular of the, guys like <clears throat> leadership like guys that were juniors and seniors like uh, that year yeah i just think convinced them and they were like hey it's best to just kind of let these guys be who yeah. they are and we'll let them do what they do best and kind of plan the game around that versus like, trying to force them into yeah. some sort of scheme well i think um you I think it was a reflection on the previous year. It's like, okay, well, if we're going to play, if we're going to coach like that, or we're going to like, that's kind of the results we're going to get. If we're going to get the most out of these guys, we got to let them be themselves. Yeah. And, um, and there, like I said, there was really like no egos. There was, you know, people were just having fun. Um, it's just like, Stevie Looney, you know, she just used to like, you should say laxabunga, like before practice every day. It was just like, you know, it was like kind of a surfer's mentality. Like, yeah. just go out there and just like ball out. And was there fun. like, was there one moment in the season that kind of turned that, that really you think turned it around? Uh, not necessarily winning a game or, but like, you know, one of those behind the scenes moments. I think so. We lost the second game of the season to Ohio State. Uh, at home, rough. And then we had to go down to UNC. I think the next week, and I think UNC was like maybe a top five team at the time. And we knocked, we beat UNC, and then we just started getting on a roll. And then in early April, like April was like our we lived for April. Like we played in the. We played in the ECAC and then the Patriot League. And, but, like, April was always the games were, like, Georgetown, Maryland, Hopkins, and then Army. Like, so you were always playing, like, three teams that were always in the top ten, yeah. if not the top five, and then you were playing your, your arch rival. Yeah. So we, like, lived for April. And so um, – when we beat Maryland at Maryland, <laughs> I don't know if you were at that game, but so, that was that. Yeah, it was no, there's nothing like it. Yeah, what, I think Mar- Maryland was number one at that point. We were number two. I think that's what it was. Or they were they were like one or two spots ahead of us. So was it? So this will kind of give the answer to you. Like, what was this? Was it a close game? I can't. Remember. Um, we ended up winning by. It was relatively close, but we went right. by like two or three. So it wasn't I, like a blowout. Yeah. I didn't make it to that game because that Thursday, it was a Saturday, right? Saturday afternoon yeah. or morning yeah, yeah. game. Yeah. That Thursday, I had PRK surgery. Um, actually, no, Friday. The day before, I had PR, PRK surgery in Bethesda. So I was in my, my rack sleeping it off and you, you couldn't get some Ray Charles so, classes to get out there? This is why I feel <laughs> even worse because Doug Tomzak had it with me and, and he Doug was, he was there. showed up and he I was remember there. 
I remember people talking about watching him wear his blue blocker glasses, doing you know playing beer pong and doing ice illusions, and they're like, "What's with the glasses?" He's like, oh, I had beer yesterday. And people well, are like, I actually can't "Should see. you be here right now?" And, he, like, of, and of course, course still a great, great answer. Yeah. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Meanwhile, I'm just wussing out, laying in my rack, <laughs> and obviously, full circle. I still feel bad yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> so that uh, was. Yeah, I remember yeah, when was, you guys won. That was huge. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Park, the parking lot was a little, little yeah, wild was, afterwards. Yeah, too. that's what I heard. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> and so you guys went on a magical run in the tournament. Yeah. I saw that. I was there for those. So we missed, um, let's see. So we missed when we played at Cornell. We played Cornell at Cornell in the quarterfinals. And we that was so we didn't go to we didn't go to ring dance because that was ring dance nice. weekend yeah um so we all got our rings and it was fun all like all the old five guys who were there yeah. and um we had like in the hotel we had you didn't you miss know, anything. no we didn't, yeah no. <laughs> um so we went to we went up to cornell and ithaca and we beat cornell maybe by two or so um to put us in the final four and on Memorial Day weekend. So I remember, so let's see, so Friday is graduation. They've got, and then the the semifinal game is on Saturday at Raven Stadium. Yeah. So graduation, all the seniors are graduating at the stadium. They've got, we've got the Naval Academy athletic buses, like two of them outside the stadium with the rest of the team on the buses waiting for the seniors to graduate, they're going to come out, they're going to get right on the bus, and we're going to, like, go up to, to Raven Stadium. Well, the rest of the team is supposed to be sitting on these buses watching, like, or waiting for graduation. And we went to our house, which, is, <laughs> which was behind the Safeway, <laughs> yeah. and we watched the we watched the graduation on like closed caption television right. so we could see where they were in the graduation and like when they got to I don't know like 20 yeah we were like okay we gotta get <laughs> we back gotta get <laughs> we gotta get back like you know um and uh so we got back on the buses graduation ended got a police escort up to uh to Baltimore nice and um where'd you guys stay in a hotel up there yeah, we stayed I mean, in a, right overlooking the Inner Harbor. I don't know if yeah. it's a Marriott or something like that. Yeah, yeah. right downtown Baltimore. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then we uh, we played Princeton on Saturday. Um, I remember that game. That was I yeah. Mean, there was how many there? There had to have been easily like thirty, forty thousand people there. It was packed. Yeah, I think at I mean, that like time the Upper Bowl even had people. Yeah, no, I think at that time, like. The the final four drew something like, yeah, probably in that like 30, yeah. 30 35,000 range. Um, so that was pretty cool. I just remember like that field, the field, like the turf. I don't know how long they had, had turf at that point, but it is so hot on yeah. the field. Like those pellets are so right. hot. Because they're all little yeah. black pellets, right? Yeah. So it just absorbs yeah. all that sunlight. Yeah, but – um. We, let's see, we beat Princeton, I think it was 6-5. That's but, right, yeah, it was a close game. I mean, we were going wild in the crowd, yeah. it was crazy. Do you, remember, do you remember 
Graham Gill when he when he hit the post, he had an open net yeah. to like ice the game, and he hit the post. I and like, kind of I I yeah. more remember us just yeah in the years past giving him crap and yeah. like acting yeah. like I remembered it yeah, than yeah. I actually yeah. remembered yeah. it. So <laughs> so that was cool. Um, he shot with his eyes closed, right? Yeah, Isn't it? yeah. Uh, so. Yes, we uh, won on Saturday, and then on Monday, Memorial Day, um, it, it was cool. Uh, I mean, so this was 2004, you know, obviously September 11th happened a couple years before to have, like, the Naval Academy playing in the National Championship game on Memorial Day. It was just, like, it, in like, Maryland. And, and we're playing, so, oh, we're playing Syracuse, too. Right. It was, like, a blue blood. So many yeah, levels. Bl- yeah. Blue blood, but, like... We felt like we were the home team. And for like you, too. The, I mean, you're like yeah. Syracuse guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of those other things wrapped into it. Yeah. I mean, what was like? What was the feeling like it, it, for it, you for, me, for that game? I didn't really, like, I grew up going to Syracuse games and watching Syracuse lacrosse, but, I, like, I had no desire to go to Syracuse. I don't know. Yeah. Just personally. Okay. Uh, so that, the, that didn't affect yeah. you. No, 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 no. But national championship. Right, I mean, no, that, what that's was to say, that like, like, you know, yeah, getting ready for that game. Um, was the yeah, was the level of focus more in, intense than before? I mean, did you have like a, did no. you keep a typical routine you normally? Know, like, yeah, yeah, no, the routine was relatively the same. I remember before the game, so we're in the locker room under in Raven Stadium, and we're getting to go out. And I remember the pregame speech or coach gave and then he says like oh and i I, there's someone who knows a little something about winning championships and out of the coach's locker room comes this guy and i'm looking at him and i'm like i was just so amped for the game and like i just like i look at him like i know i know this guy i i recognize him could not place who it was yeah it was bill belichick oh god (laughs) yeah yeah so he gave (laughs) He gave our. Um, That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so he gave our our pregame speech, um, and uh, I mean the game was just like you. You could feel, just the intensity was on a different level, and but like you didn't even, you could hear the crowd, but like it was like it was tunnel vision. You know what I mean? It was yeah. only what was happening on the field. Right. It, like wasn't you affecting, there. it wasn't yeah. affecting you. Yeah, yeah no, like you not knew at all. They were there, but wasn't yeah i mean you could just the emotion the intensity i mean it was a back and forth game like we led um which no one expected us to do everyone kind of thought like oh may it could be a very well be a blowout uh this was so mikey powell was a senior on syracuse at the time um so it was his last game and um i mean it was just back and forth the entire game and it kind of came down to the end and uh, they ended up winning 14 13 um what was so. that what was that like the final whistle sounds you know and the season's over obviously you know, yeah lose the game like talk to us for those of us like, like myself included obviously who've never been in that kind of position for to play for something with that much meaning mm. what's that like i think uh I think you are like deep down you are like you're proud of the way you played and where how far we came especially in a season considering the season but I think in the moment um 
your it's just like how hard you worked and like in an instant it's over like you know what i mean it's like great all that work to get to this point and we came up short like you're just like devastated um but like you just didn't acknowledge that like yeah you were proud and like but you know it could have been like the you know cherry on top and like the the you know ending that you always wish and it's kind of maybe a little unfair but that question because obviously now 20 some years hence right like looking back on it how has your perspective on that changed on that loss um i don't know i think like it in the moment you think it defines you you know what i mean like you're a loser you know what i mean you just lost like you know um and it's still what it like it but now i just look at it back on it like the the experience of you know um going through that process with a group of guys and um you know appreciate it and thankful for it so any lessons from that and we can get to this too later but that you think back on like those lessons that you ever try to pass on to either your kids or anybody else you know or you think re- well, you're reminded of kind of yeah. like oh i remember that yeah. time you know so i think from like just on a personal level um i didn't have probably the the career the college career that i wish or had hoped i had um and like there was it was an up and down kind of um experience for me like I got hurt a little bit didn't play well at times played better at other times so like I played um but did I play as well as I thought I could have or should have Mm, probably not there's some probably some disappointment there but sometimes um but there were times where looking back on it yeah like I could have quit could have um had a different attitude and i guess i'm uh proud that i didn't take that path um and that's what i would kind of like if i'm looking at it now like yeah like hey the your career your whatever your whatever you're working on your endeavor like may not pan out the way you think it will um in your mind and like, okay, but what do you, like, how are you going to handle that? Like what, you know, are you going to give up? Are you going to work harder? Are you going to drag your teammates down with you? You like, cause there's disappointment there. Like, um, so yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Like I, I broke my thumb and it's just difficult to hold the stick. And a guy who was, younger than me kind of took my spot and rightfully so like he did an awesome job um and you know that's tough to handle in the moment um but like you know you're gonna be a detriment to your team at that point and it's like those are things looking back at like at the time i wasn't thinking that but yeah you can 
you can kind of draw those conclusions now. And no, it's good. I think it's important. <clears throat> those are important things to remember. You know, just because that I mean, you don't succeed in the way that you've crap but you've defined success in your own mind doesn't mean you're not a success, mm -hmm. right? And then I think I mean we were talking about this offline too that. I feel like there's a stigma around just failure in general in life and that it's stigma meaning people view it as it's that's like a period end of sentence kind of thing like you failed at something rather than that's just typically part of every process yeah. is failure in some form some way yeah it, for an athlete it might be you fail at winning a particular game or in this case like the national championship on lacrosse yeah. but you know other people may have done that but they've gone on to like a pro level and they've yeah. used that and they've learned from that failure and they win champion multiple championships or yeah. they become a success in the business world because they experienced what that's like and they learn from it so um yeah i think that's just important an important lesson to draw that yeah. failure is normal and as long as you learn from it, that's the important well, right. thing, right? As long you as don't you don't repeat take it to, the same failure. You don't take you don't take it to the other extreme. You know, there's this whole like, oh, the key to success is failing fast. You know, like all right, this stuff. Like, right. no, like no, 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 fail. the intent the intent isn't to fail. Let's <laughs> yeah. be honest here. Yeah, like, yeah. All right? like, <laughs> but if we're you not do, trying, like, but if realize realize like, how do you handle happens. it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think that was that was kind of. I mean, in the end, the grand scheme of it is the relationship you developed, and you know the the uh, memories you built with you know a group of guys and yeah. things like that I mean, and you had some great great le great leaders on that team yeah. you know like you yeah. you named, named some of them already um but yeah and i'm sure you learned a lot from those guys you know who were in those like yeah junior senior roles when you were younger and then hopefully imparted some of that stuff to them when you were yeah. where's that so then, then comes time for obviously like ourselves, like our class. We were graduating. You, you wanted to go Marines, right? Didn't you? Or not no. wanted to? You did a Leatherneck. <laughs> Two different things, right? Well, so like Leatherneck was right after actually started. And sorry, I'm for people listening that don't know what a Leatherneck is, if can you kind of explain briefly what that is? I mean, I'm not sure I'm the best person, but anyway, it's uh, <laughs> you might be the exact person. Yeah, yeah, no. So. so Leatherneck is uh, summer training for those who want to uh, or think they may want to uh, service select and be a Marine. So they do, I don't know, three weeks, four weeks down in Quantico, Virginia. It's kind of just like to get a little taste of, you know, what they'll experience after they graduate if they become a Marine. And um, it, it was one of the options that you had. And I don't know that I was that serious about it. I'm not really sure what my what the other options were that summer. But anyway, I was signed up to go to Leatherneck. And it was the it was a first block. So let's see, Memorial Day. Yeah, so we must have had to the first day of Leatherneck must have had to be must have been the Tuesday morning after Memorial Day. So after we just lost the national championship. So Sully and I were supposed to be in Leatherneck. <laughs> and we're just like, you know what, we lost it. <laughs> you know, and like we went out and whatever and yeah. you know, celebrated our season Monday night and um Tuesday it's like, well, of course I'm gonna they'll accept like uh, you know, they'll understand if I just show up late, you know, all this stuff. I think it was Captain Captain Burlingame, female, okay, female, yeah, yeah. maybe she's a major. Um, 
and we get down there and she's like in charge of Leatherneck down there at that block. And um, then they've got a bunch of like, you know, second lieutenants, grand new who are like, I don't know, TAD or something, just yeah. kind of helping her out. And so Sully and I decide like, yeah, well, we rate just like showing up at like four o'clock on yeah. Tuesday, whatever. Like you, everyone else is supposed to be there at like 7 a.m., 8 a.m., whatever. So we roll in in like our civilian clothes. And this second lieutenant just starts like dressing us down like you know who do we think we are like what, what are we doing <laughs> I mean, like, like you know, yeah, you, yeah, right? yeah like, for those like dressing yeah, down yeah yeah and um just screaming and breathing and, typical yeah and he puts us on restriction like we just show up and we're like <laughs> that was impossible I and you know what possible. like is this is at the point like where we don't really Summer understand training. second lieutenant yeah He's an officer, but doesn't know his ass from his elbow. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Right. And this is like, he's like 13, exert- yeah. 13 months ahead of him. Yeah, which yeah. Is not a exactly. <laughs> and like exerting his authority and like, yeah. you know, just so. Um, so, yeah, whatever. Sully and I were like on the the naughty list for, I don't know, like we were on restriction for like the first So week what, you like couldn't like, leave? We couldn't leave. Or? Like we couldn't leave. Okay. Like, you know, like in the... In the evening, you had, like, Liberty or whatever after yeah. uh, evolutions were done. Been... And, like, we had to go back to, like, the barracks and oh, geez. Uh, what we did for the first week. And Jeez. So, um, but I, all that to be said, I don't, maybe I contemplated being a Marine for, like, half a second, but I don't, I never was really that serious about it. I think personality-wise, I would have been better fit as a pilot and I had an interest but the whole 10 years thing, like when you're 21, I was like, 10 years, that's like the rest of my life. Because that's essentially yeah. the, the minimum commitment is like, you know, Pretty it was much. roughly yep. like, you know, you yep. got like two, three years training. Then you got to do, you know, the repayment for, for the flight school time. And it's like seven years. And so it's like, all right, a decade, like that's forever. I don't know if I want to do this for 10 years. And right. so I was just like. So I ended up just going slow. I was like, all right, well, like, this will give me some good experience. Like, And I'll have an option if I, and want, have an, if I yeah, want to and it, after five years. Whether that was the right decision because, I, I, you know, I didn't know that I really wanted to be a slow. But, well, I mean, what um, do you do? Like, for every again, for people listening yeah. that don't know what a surface warfare officer and yeah. what that means, like, what, what yeah. is that, you know? Uh, surface warfare officer is um, your – for – you're basically just driving ships, um, you know. So you're assigned to um, a U.S. I mean, Navy ship, and you're, you're, you have you're, not like a, you're not behind like a big wheel, like no, like no, the, no, on the but, black pearl, you know. But right, <laughs> but like you're you're the one who's like giving the orders, you know. You're right. officer of the deck, so like but that's kind it, of a collateral it, duty, though, right? As a surface warfare officer, don't well, you have like a division? Yeah, you have a division, so and, you could be um, you could be the uh, anti-submarine warfare officer you could be the communications officer you could be the auxiliary officer you could be the deck division officer um so you have a division of you know anywhere from let's call it like 10 to 30 guys um that you're responsible for and performing those duties but then like as like an early 20 year old yeah right you're probably 23 24 and and again like you're just out of school. You don't know what you're doing either. Right. So, like, you know, the people who are successful in that are the ones who acknowledge they don't know what they're doing and, you know, talk to their chief and their chief. You know, that's how yeah. the way you gain the respect of, like, the chief. There's someone who's been – who has been in for 20 years and is like, okay, 
this person at least recognizes they don't have any they have authority via rank but they don't have right. any experience and like they're humble enough to like acknowledge that recognize that ask right. for help and so um uh and then you usually get their support and everyone kind of falls in line it's the people who think because they you know are you know an officer and um then they're suddenly it makes them gives them some sort of um seniority over the, the division so make but, a great great laboratory though for just learning learning your own like managerial yeah you know uh skill honing your managerial skills and leadership skills being a yeah being a slow i mean i think the 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 thing i did enjoy and like this is uh, i think all the way around with the surface work community but like driving ships was cool like you were in charge of driving and responsible for the safety of the ship in the middle of the night everyone's asleep captain's asleep you're basically up there by yourself making sure you don't run into anything you don't hit anything you don't like you're what kind of you, you were on what you were on cruiser a cruiser which yeah. is like how big they're pretty big uh 567 feet wow yeah 30 no 50 foot beam Damn. so and yeah beam so we like, yeah, width, from what, width, yeah yeah Port to starboard. Um, yeah. Right. And, um, I mean, that was cool. That was, that was what I liked doing. Like, you know, driving the ship and, and you, you lived know, like, escorting the carrier. You were where you were stationed in Japan. Japan. First, right? Yeah. How long yeah. were you there for? Uh, I was there for three and a half years. What was, what was that like? It was so like, <laughs> being like no, six so, foot, six foot, whatever. Yeah. In Japan. Th- that was one of the other things about, um, Maybe short-sighted at the time, but I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this Navy thing, I want to, like, take advantage of it, and I want to experience different cultures. Like, I know if I'm going to flight school, yes, Pensacola might be a different culture, but it's not, like, necessarily the culture yeah. I was looking for. Yeah. So, surface warfare, you have a lot of options, right? You've got, you can be in Norfolk, you can be in San Diego, you can be in, you know, Mayport, um, and, uh, but I was like, I, I think I'd like to be overseas, and if I want to be overseas... Um, there weren't any, there weren't any, uh, we don't have a lot of options in like in sixth fleet. Yeah. Like we don't have a lot in like yeah. the med. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. It's all, it's going to yeah. be so, here or. So seventh fleet or, was the only option. So Japan yeah. was the only option. And I was like, I could go to San Diego anytime. Like I could do that on my next tour. Like I'm going to, this is the only time where I actually have control. I am picking my right. home port. Like, I get to say where I'm going to go. So I was like, oh, I'll go to Japan. So And it was only supposed to be for, call it two years. Um, so I did my first two years there. And it was where in Japan? Uh, Yokosuka. Which, so, which is, is like south of... 40 minutes south of Yokohama, maybe like an hour south of Tokyo. Okay. So, um, yeah, we used to take the last, uh, the last train. We used to get on the train at like 10 o'clock at night to go up to Tokyo, and we would stay out till like 5 in the morning. We'd take the first train back in the morning. And, nice. and, you know, typically, we'd fall asleep on the train, go past our stop, all the way, end up all the way at the end of the line. Yeah. And, um, that, was the, that was the first port that I went to um, outside of the U.S. on yeah. my first deployment. Which was really the first place outside of the U.S. Because, I mean, like, we've done spring, spring break, but that doesn't count, right? Um, <laughs> Montego Bay in Jamaica doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember, like, the day before 
because we were flying and we didn't we didn't yeah. do anything the day of like pulling yeah. into a port like that and um yeah i remember we were pulling in and just kind of like i don't know i kind of thought about that and i got super excited <coughs> i'm like this is kind of cool i'm going to japan a place i never considered going to honestly yeah. uh, and um when we got there, just like the whole experience of the Japanese culture yeah. in person was really eye-opening in a good way. It was, I loved it. It was a great, great country, yeah. great place to visit. I would go back for sure. Yeah, it was. I, I enjoyed it. Like it was, um, it was a cool culture. Nothing, something I'd never been exposed to before. Um, Did you live out in town? You yeah, I lived downtown. Right? Yeah. So I lived in Nobi. Um, that's where that's where it was called. Um, How big was your apartment? You know, I was thinking about this. Like, I still, you can envision it in my head, but um, like I had a tatami room mat, like tatami mat. It's like okay. a straw, like a traditional straw. Like that was the floor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like tatami. Okay. Wow. And then you had like had these sliding like rice paper windows, like yeah. for the doors and stuff like that. Like it was a traditional. Like you couldn't put a bed. On the tatami. I mean, it would go right through the tatami. Um, so I mean, that was just one room. That was okay, one room. Okay. The rest of the the rest of the house was like normal, like had hardwood okay. floors. But it was kind of cool. Was it just you, or did you? Have it was just me. Okay. Yeah, it was just me. Um, and then like there was no oven. They had this like it was like, I mean, just Japanese. I guess most of them didn't really have ovens, but they have this like little. It looks like a, um, how do I want to say it? like at an old bank like teller where you put the pneumatic tube in, yeah. you like pull it out and you put the, like, that's all it was. It was like a slot and it was just basically big enough to like cook a fish, like just one, like one fish that, that, that was like, that was the entire oven, um, that you had. So I remember I got an electric George Foreman, like grill. It was like on a pedestal and I had it over <laughs> my corner. I mean, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think about, you know, the way I, yeah, I got a. How much did you did you lose like a ton of weight? Stupid question, but just no, on that topic. no. I mean, I think I drank enough to keep <laughs> keep the weight on. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, I mean, I ate. We shopped at the next. I mean, yeah. So it was good. You had like all this like authentic, fresh Japanese food, seafood yeah. available to you out in town, but yeah. still had all of the American luxuries yeah at my disposal so. no yeah i mean so do you look cool. back on that do you have like fond memories of that time yeah 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 uh, definitely i mean i think the best thing was you know just the the op tempo and the rhythm of the deployments out there like you were always going somewhere so it's like everywhere from you know south korea to india to vietnam to uh Australia a couple times, um, yeah. you know, just got to like hit all those countries that I would never, you know, probably have ever visited. Yeah. So, um, I never, Singapore, you know, I, I never considered anywhere in Asia yeah. growing up. I just like, I, I don't know, maybe it's growing up on the East coast. I yeah. looked at like, Oh, I would travel to Europe and yeah. I never even considered that part of the world. And then that's where I spent pretty much 99% of my time in the military yeah. and the Navy. And, like Singapore, yeah, that was such a cool country the first yeah. time I went there. And we pulled in the, one of the times I was there was when they were having the Formula One race. That was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, to see that. And just, like, the blend of cultures in that country I thought yeah. was neat because of where it is, you know, yeah. and how it geographically sits. Um, that was that was pretty neat. Um, India was really cool. 
Uh, Indonesia, I really liked. Yeah. Thailand, obviously, for different yeah. reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, um, I don't know, it was just the, those were all cultures that I had never had any exposure to yeah. uh, and never really even crossed my radar. Yeah. So it was cool to, you know, kind of see how different people do live you think, in a non-Western style. Yeah. Do you think like going to those places really just kind of gave you more, made you more open-minded in general about things because you see a bigger part of the world? I, this is not necessarily that, like traveling to just Asia, but, you know, being in the Navy, yeah. you know, traveling around and seeing different parts of the world and just like, oh, okay, they're, we're more or less, I remember I was really shocked one time we did it uh, with a, another foreign country and exercise and having lunch with some of the fellow military folks there and having conversations. And we talked about like sports and stuff like the stuff you normally, yeah. you know, we talk about and yeah. just coming away from that thinking like, we're all pretty similar, like, you know? Yeah. And granted At we have our differences. Yeah. Culture, but we're all pretty similar. We have very, like, we like to drink, yeah. right? Pretty much every culture likes to drink, yeah. you know, and have a good time. We care about our families. Yeah. We have favorite sports, big... sports teams. But then all this other stuff gets layered on top of it, yeah. right? And and that can... I think, like, especially living in Japan, um, you know, very conservative culture. Mm-hmm. And there's just such a young 20-year-old idiot that, yeah. like, you, you think, like, oh, I speak a different language. Like, they don't know. Like, I'm almost invisible. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, um, but the, the kind of the respect they have in that culture um, something that was, um, pretty impressive to me. And then like, just trying to compare and contrast it to American culture, where it's like the kids get on, you know, the subway and like, yeah, you just see them walking out like, town. you know, like right. five-year-olds. Yeah. By five themselves. Nobody like, bothers them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's completely, it's normal. Like they like, take, I know. love like how they cross the crosswalk and the one grabs the flag, yeah. goes out, stands there yeah. and then waits. And then he's the last person, he or she's the last yeah. person. They put the flag back in the, yeah. that's kind of cool. It was, um, it was interesting to observe and just kind of yeah. see like, oh, wow, that's definitely not the yeah. way. Like that would, would never, never, would never fly. It happened in my city, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Japan, I, and then, so I was there initially it was supposed to be two years and then, um, the captain asked me if I wanted to fleet up to become the navigator, so stay in the same ship, extend for like another 18 months. And whether I should have done that or not, because um, I was probably ready to come back after two years. Um, but I really respected him, and it was almost like ah, I didn't want to let him down. Which is a pretty big decision made yeah. just to not let someone down. So not saying I regretted it, but like at the end of that three call it three and a half years, I was like, I'm, I'm ready. ready. Yeah. I am I ready. I'm twenty five <laughs> and I am ready to go back to the States. Um so and then from there you went back to So so, so you like your slate comes out yeah. and it's like, you know, they match up needs of the Navy versus personal desire and all that stuff. And it's like, okay. I'm just going, like, I want to do whatever I can to get to San Diego. <laughs> so, like, the jobs that were offered to me, I had, like, no, do, I'm good. Do you want more? Yeah, no, oh, I'm okay. good. We can pause. Um, <laughs> no. Okay, right. um, Number one was San Diego. Two was Pearl Harbor. Three through ten were all San Diego jobs. What did I get? 
Pearl Harbor. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll take that as a right. consolation. Right. And so when I got to Pearl Harbor, the only people I knew, so I knew, um, like, Graham was there, and I knew Carl Hassefrance. And so, um, and I didn't really know anyone else who was there or who was happened to be there at the time. So I stayed with Carl and um, Lonnie Kai. And then, like, Graham, I was talking to Graham, and he's like, oh, I'm over here, and I kind of diamond head. And and it's just funny the way things that work out. You go over there, and you're like, I don't know who all these people are and all this stuff. And it's like all these guys that I never met, like Sean O'Neill, Frank Verducci. Like, I never never, never knew him at school. Right. Never knew him. Okay. And... Um, just kind of like I don't they're all pilots so like I'm kind of feel like the odd man out um but I and then I also I reached out to Adam Allegro I knew he was yeah, a swell right, yeah. in Hawaii at the time so I reached out I'm like hey man do you know like anyone well, I was like, trying to get some roommates and um he's like yeah played basketball with this guy Adam Hudson so I'm like shoot him a match he's like yeah I'm gonna be out there so I'm like alright yeah like we just bonded over basketball. We we're like, yeah, oh, like this would be great. Like, so like, yeah. When you get out here, we'll get it. We'll find a place. And so, we find a place, but it's got I don't know how many bed, three or four bedrooms, whatever. And we're like, we need we need another guy I'd like to fill out. <laughs> and so, Jay Border, like he, <laughs> when I was still stationed in Japan, I happened to be at PSD doing something, like trying to check out. He happened to be over there on TAD in Japan, and we, like, ran into each other. And we knew of each other at school, but, like, never hung out um, too much. But, like, we started, like, talking, and he's like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Hawaii, I'm out here on TAD. I'm like, cool, like, I'm getting stationed there. It's like, I'll hit you up when I get there. So so Adam and I get there, we're like, hey, this guy Jay, like, we should reach out to him, see if he's, like, and he's living downtown Honolulu, high rise, blah, blah, blah. And um, he's got a he's got a girlfriend at the time, and she's got pretty tight reins on him. Like you know <laughs> what I mean. Like and he's kind of got set in his ways, and like we're just like slowly prying him away, and like <laughs> just driving that wedge, like right. And like man, like you gotta get out of it. Like you know what I mean. Like yeah, come with us. And uh, finally, we were successful, and uh, we. Uh, we poached him, and uh, he became <laughs> yes. he became the third. And nice. um, yeah, so we had a great place, and then you know, part of uh, the Team XS crew and, yeah. and Diamond Head, and then all Graham and Sean and Mikey Garcia. They how how long were you, were you there? So I was there from two th- like two 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 and a half years. Okay, so That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys, was, you lived the life. Yeah, yeah, it was it was the life, and um, yeah, God, if that could never end. Um, <laughs> Peter Pan, man, right? Like, yeah, you know? yeah, um, never, never land. Uh, Just rolling but, down Kamehameha Highway, listening yeah. to some SDIB, and <laughs> yeah, but like you, it's one of those things that you never anticipated. Like you were gonna meet, right? You were gonna; those are gonna be like best friends for life like you know at yeah. that time you I didn't go there thinking that like oh no, i yeah. meet like 
guys that are going to change my life. Yeah, like, I mean, that's I, news to me. I didn't know, like, you really didn't know any of them. Didn't know any of them. Before you didn't, got Except there, for so. Graham. Yeah. Didn't know any of them. Yeah, not a that's single crazy. one. Um, so, yeah, it's not like we had a long history at all. So, including including Adam. So, um, yeah. But then so. after that, so you were there too, like, and when you were leaving there, is that when you decided, okay, that was like the five years. Yeah. Of, like, I'm yeah. going to get out and yeah. like, you went back to business school. Right? Yeah. So I knew like if I was ever going to have a family, like I just, it's, it's incredible military families, the, you know, um, yeah, how they put up, with yeah, it, how just they do it, yeah. how they have to adapt, um, and children and kids and everything like that moving every couple of years and, um, so I was just like, yeah, I'm not sure that this like is something I want to do for the long haul. Um, so I started thinking about what I was going to do and didn't really know, always had an interest in real estate, but I was like, ah, I just got to buy myself some time to get out and like figure this out. And so that's really all <clears throat> business school was is to, you know, not have a gap in the resume, but, you know, get out there, explore some things, talk to some people, um, and so talk about a contrast going from Pearl Harbor to Boston, <laughs> um, not exactly, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> had a great, had, great city. Like Boston has a lot to do. It's not uh, like you're moving to, to yeah. you know, uh, out to the boonies in Syracuse. Yeah. I'm trying <laughs> to think like, I think the first winter there, like I didn't have a winter coat. At oh the, God. Like, yeah. Um, like, yeah, I just remember it being. And, like, from upstate New York, I hadn't been back to, let's see, this is too, yeah, I hadn't been in the Northeast in, like, 10 years, wow. roughly, at that point. Yeah. So. Um, Just wearing your Hawaiian shirts. And yeah, like, board shorts and, and flip-flop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, Boston was great. Um, and, like you said, what, did you, what was it? Because we've talked about this before. You kind of always had an inkling for real estate but what was it about real estate that what is it about it that interests you um in, i think it's the industry? i think it's the tangible nature of the asset and how it can kind of shape communities there's a creative element to it when you do development um how how does that impact um communities how does it impact the way people interact with you know their uh, cities. Um, and so I think that was, it wasn't this, uh, I want to say just kind of amorphous kind of theoretical type yeah. investment. Um, <coughs> it's not like a, uh, in, a d financial derivative yeah. or anything like that. It's yeah. actual tangible. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I think that was kind of, the. had you the, had any experience in it before? You went back to business school? No. Or that's like, no. Okay. No. So it's that, that, that was the idea of figure out like how I'm going to crack this nut. Like, yeah. um, you know, in the, at that point and you're, you know, close technically to you're 30, like close to 30 years old. And like, there's kids who are getting out of undergrad and it's like, all right, trying to figure out like how I'm going to um, market myself and like the things that I do bring to the table versus, Oh, I can basically hire someone yeah. <laughs> right out of undergrad for a lot cheaper than what you want me to hire you for and do the same thing and mold them. So it's like getting someone to understand, 
um, the the skills and uh, the value that you bring to the table. Um, so, did business school help you with that? Uh, like... Not really. No. I'll be honest with you. Like there's, um, it was I mean, good did, introduction. And just to, like, where did you go again? You Boston went... University. Okay. Did you do a yeah. full time program? Did full time. So yeah. Did okay. yeah. So nine eleven or full time student. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So. Um, yeah, not just really. Back, I back mean, there was on a George Foreman girl. And, yeah, no, and, <laughs> I, I actually like yeah got a got a place. It was, it was a great place, um, <clears throat> right in Chestnut Hill, uh, right by Boston College, and yeah, it was uh, it's a good little setup. So, um, but no, but uh, school didn't really teach me any of that. Like it was good, like in terms of introductory to, you know, I guess just business world concepts that I, you would have picked up had you started you know right out of undergrad anyways yeah but um no i think like all the leadership stuff like it was all like i it became very apparent to me like i just needed to get my foot in the door somewhere and like i would be fine okay um and uh so and it wasn't there wasn't a great real estate program necessarily there's a couple classes that i took but um, it was like, I was kind of on my own. Like they, oh, okay. they so you, for, didn't, you didn't do like a specialization <coughs> in finance, you know, or I not did, finance, excuse me, real no, estate, MBA for no, real estate. Okay. No, I, so I, the reason I went back to Boston is both my brother and my sister lived there at the time. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> so to be back kind of closer to them, Boston was a cool city. We visited growing up, had family there. Um, so my brother, my sister, and I actually all lived within like two blocks of each other for for like when I first moved there for a little bit of time. So that That's was kind of cool. that was yeah. cool. That was really cool. We could walk to each other's houses. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, my parents thought they had the corner on that market. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we got them all back together. Yeah, and now we're... they're gonna stay here forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, I just um, you know had to uh, get my foot in the door somewhere and kind of let some see the value that you bring and so so you went after that to get like where you went to um what was the company again <coughs> jll okay. um so i did an internship in at jll between my two years of school for everybody summer. who doesn't know <coughs> who and what is jll uh so it used to be jones lang lasalle they rebranded jll but it's one of the you know global uh, real, commercial real estate service providers, um, JLL and CBRE are usually the top. But I was in the Bo- I worked in the Boston office, and I was working um, on the healthcare, doing investment sales, so selling healthcare assets. Okay. Um, which is not necessarily what I wanted to do, but it was again, it was like, okay, I got, I can learn, I got right, something, I can, yeah. like I, you know, I can make, you know, lateral moves from here or wherever. Um, so I started um, interning for over the summer there. No, I'm sorry. I interned on the – I did the leasing. I did, like, office leasing. And then um, it was great. So I got to know a bunch of different people in the office. And then – What did you – sorry. When you say you did <coughs> – like, what do you mean you did a leasing? Office leasing. So I was – But what? Like, you uh, had to offer. try to sell it to folks to lease – yeah, leasing space. Or, yeah, okay. no, 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 I was a broker. Okay. I was I was working for the brokers who were leasing space. So <clears throat> they had either represented the landlord or they represented a tenant, and you were trying to put deals together. <clears throat> so I was doing that over the summer, 
so I got to know a lot of people in the office. Um, and then the summer ended and it's like a lot of people, you know, those summer turned into full-time jobs and yeah. it, there was it wasn't like a formal program or path. It was just, I was there, like I got to develop relationships with people in the office. And then when I started my second year, someone in another group, the healthcare group reached out to me and was like, you know, we could use help. Like if you could work like a couple, couple days a week while you're going to school and all stuff. So I was like, well, this is like my opportunity. So yeah, I did that. That led to a full-time job with that group. And so I was there, I was there for maybe two years, two years, okay. uh, two, a little more. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really want to be in healthcare. It was almost like you had to know it was the healthcare industry as much as it was real estate. Yeah. It was like, um, which is kind of mind blowing. Like insurance, you had yeah. to know like reimbursements and you know. Yeah. So it <laughs> wasn't exactly what I was looking to do. So. So that's when you. Uh, that's when you left there, right? And then you ended up at the company you're at now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was 2015. Which um, is what's the what's the company you're at now? National Real Estate Advisors. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I went down there. Um, had a friend <coughs> who worked there asked if I was interested in coming down to interview for a job in a position that I had no business interviewing for because <laughs> it was it was in a different function that. You kind of, you, you kind of, if it, it wasn't, it was fun. It was capital raising essentially. Okay. And, um, it's just a function I hadn't yet had any exposure to. Um, so I went down there and it became very clear very quickly that like, that it wasn't the right fit. Um, did you get that job? Or you mean during the process of interviewing? It was apparent that you, were, <coughs> you during the not. process of interviewing, it <laughs> okay. was like, this is not going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, you know, a bunch of the folks I interviewed with, um, oh, you know, yeah. like, oh, well, like, he seems like culture, like, could be good for it. Like, I think there's an opportunity here. And so, I don't know how long it was after that, but got a call and was like, would you be interested in doing this? And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Um, <coughs> so... So moved from Boston down to D.C. and um, yeah, started working for the, for them. <coughs> so, nice. uh, yeah, it's um, it's been good. It's been. Um, what are you doing? You're managing managing portfolio or a portion yeah. of the portfolio for them. Yeah, so I have a, a, a portfolio of assets that um, responsible for basically executing the investment plan for. Um, so. I'll apartments, office, mixed use, hotels all over the country. So, yeah, so good to get out, get to see different markets and um, do you feel like those assets. Like kind of reaching back into being a slow, do you feel like there's a lot of skills, things you learned coming up, either, you know, from lacrosse as an athlete <clears throat> to the academy, right, and slow that are transferable that you you're find yourself using? Um, yeah, I know you're managing assets, but you probably yeah. have to manage teams of people, right, yeah. while you're doing this. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there's something. So, like, you know, as an asset manager, there's so many different functions um, of people. There's teams that you have to manage. And, like, you, if you try and insert yourself and want to 
you know, be involved in every decision, like nothing's going to get done. You're going to be a bottleneck. Like you have to, uh, learn to trust your people. Uh, once they've earned that trust, like, you know, just trust right. her. And even if it's a wrong decision, if it's not going to make, uh, Catastrophic. Ma- yeah, it's not going to be a material issue. Just let it go. Let like, it go. It, you know, the efficiency and, you know, letting people work and, uh, letting them feel like they have that autonomy. Uh, Which is, is tough important. too, right? I mean, it's tough. It like, is, just... yeah. It is. Um, but again, like you'll drive, like you'll drive yourself crazy if you try and get involved in everything and try and micromanage yeah. how things are done. Like if it's done and they've got a process, just let them do it as long as the outcome is what you're expecting and you set expectations. Right. So here's, here's the guidelines. Here's kind of, you know, what I'm anticipating, like, you guys figure out how to make it happen. I think, like, sometimes <clears> on that <throat> kind of thing, like that quote, that patent quote, where it's like, just tell people what to do, not how to and get it done, do and it. They'll, yeah. they'll surprise you. Yep. You know, and it's, to your point, though, it takes a lot of, I mean, courage, I guess, right, to just kind of give people the latitude to screw up. Yeah. And some of it kind of comes into when you're, I, I mean, parenting, you have two, little, two young yeah. daughters, right? I have a daughter as well. And... Letting your kids like just kind of make the mistakes, right? Because you're yeah. like, okay, you gotta, hey, figure it yeah. out, just do it. You know, yeah. let let them figure it out, let your people figure it out, and um, but yeah, because like, so many people just want to control things, right? You want to yeah. make decisions, and if you're dealing with multi-million dollar assets, <laughs> I can only assume it's probably pretty tough to just kind of let just, go of some control. Yeah, it it is, and it isn't. You just you physically don't have enough time to get involved either yeah. like you know um that's what i said like you're you're gonna burn yourself out if you you know and drive yourself crazy um so it's you know learning to trust your people and make decisions and um you know uh empower people um you know they feel when they have a vested interest you know they're gonna you know do what's right so yeah. Um, yeah, so there's definitely, you know, things that, you know, are transferable and that have picked up along the way. And, um, you like to think that you want to do, you know, good people do business together. So you like to think that you started to identify like what good people look like, (laughs) you know, how they act. Um, so I think that's a pretty big skill and it's, I've seen, both sides of that, which has been interesting. Uh, I mean, it's actually been, I've had an interesting look into, you know, everyone's had horrible bosses, but like I had a captain who got relieved when I was like, like right there yeah. working for. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've had, I won't say bad bosses in the civilian sector, but not bosses that were all that inspiring. But then I've also had, some incredibly like inspiring captains and like a boss who's, you know, I think is, um, an an incredible leader too. So I've gotten to see quite a spectrum of leadership styles and, um, how people lead organizations. So the one who got fired. So like, what are some of the big ones from like the bad lessons you don't want to (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it was so, bla- I mean, that was, it was so bad and so blatant. It wasn't like there was any nuance there. Okay. And she basically was abusing people. Like, I mean. Verbally or physically? 
you could oh, definitely verbally. Okay. Definitely verbally, like yeah. making people cry. I mean, whatever. It is. But like putting, trying to like uh, a chief or a senior chief who's been in 25 years and putting them in the corner or like crumpling up the piece of paper that they, like, they handed them and like throwing it back at them. Yeah. I mean, like, no, it's just, nothing that's going to hurt anyone, yeah. but like. Hmm. I mean, there's probably <coughs> so there's things that fall in a bucket of just bad yeah, leadership. Yeah, yeah, it was like it was pretty clear, it. like yeah. just the way she talked to people. Yeah, um, yeah ended up getting um, getting relieved, but um, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was an NCIS investigation. Yeah. It was definitely got interviewed for that. So it was, yeah. that was interesting to follow. Wow. Um, so yeah, kind of now the spectrum. Now that you're here, kind of switching. I guess question: What? Um, I mean, do you think, how's the transition been for you? Like, looking back on your transition from active duty to now where you're at, right? Like, are there any lessons learned from um, there that you would pass on to people that might be listening going through? I, well, I think I think right now is exactly, and it's, it, this isn't, I'm not just saying this, but, like, this is exactly kind of where I envision myself being, like, even when I was like coming out of high school, I knew I wanted to be in real estate, kind of wanted to be on the investment side. Um, but the patience to, to get here and not <coughs> trying to compare, it's like, oh, like I got to do this military thing and that set me back. Like, no, just embrace it. Like, you know, it's you know, like you'll get yeah, where you're, you'll, you'll get where you're meant to be. Yeah. Um, and when you try and like, you know, compare whether it be roles or timelines and things like that, it's just like, you're only setting yourself up for failure. Um, <clears throat> I think more recently, like the the struggle push pulls, like how much do you really <clears throat> like? How much does ambition play? Like you can uh, do well at your job, be very good at it, um, excel, but like, are you challenging yourself? Are you making yourself uncomfortable are you taking that next step and like and there's nothing wrong with that like to be really good at your job and like that's the struggle i find myself now like how much do i want to continue to like just push this and you know see how far you can go and um or like are you content to like just be really good and like you know continue to do the things you're doing so like that's the kind of like the spectrum and it's like (coughs) you know when you're when you don't have other obligations, you're like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, reach the pinnacle and I'm going to yeah. do, what, what does that mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, so that's like, uh, yeah, yeah, struggle. Now, I mean, think you, now. now you have a family, yeah. right? And like, yeah, yeah I, I feel the same way too. It's, you want to, yeah, when am I taking a step back and just thinking like, am I happy? Yeah. Right. I mean, I think to a certain degree, we're probably blessed right and it's just recognizing just how fortunate and you've worked hard not to say it's it's a luck right but yeah okay i'm content i think that's yeah. the that's the thing like yeah. understanding when you're content and, you know like a lot nowadays is pushing hustling right yeah. and trying to get more it's like yeah but there's also something to just finding happiness yeah right and i'm happy like yeah. i don't need more yeah right like maybe i should <coughs> i should try to find how to get more out of what I have rather yeah. than just getting more, yeah. right? Like, well, how can I focus on that? I think that's, 
Yeah. I mean, you're, you seem to do a pretty good job of that. I yeah. mean, maybe it's just outward appearances, but I feel like you're, you're a great father. You know, you, you, you spend tons of time with the kids and you try to take time to just really be mindful and present on the things you are doing with them, which I think is important too, and not just focusing on the next shiny apple. Yeah. No, it's I uh, I don't know. It's a inner struggle. Like you maybe beat, maybe you beat yourself up a little bit too hard. Cause yeah. it's like, um, you're always should be doing something else, you know, when you're yeah. spending time with your family, you should be <laughs> working harder. Right. And when you're working harder, you should be spending more time with your family. And so I, I, I don't know if that's a natural thing. Like everyone feels that I assume, but like you, it doesn't make it any easier. Right. Um, and that's, that's something that's, that's hard too. Um, yeah. So I, I, I will say like, I, I admire Martha's parents are really good. I would describe as like, they're just very content and they're just like happy and, you know, they really enjoy, you know, every moment and Mm -hmm. they enjoy you know what they're doing and um i think that's something enviable in today's society like i feel like yeah there's just you know it's always the next thing and um people aren't living in the moment they're always you know wondering okay i wish i was here i wish i can't wait to be doing that and like yeah so that's one thing i just uh i've observed and like i really appreciate about them so yeah that's awesome to have that yeah, and so obviously, I mean, you've mentioned there a couple of times. You have a great, great family, a wife, and, yeah. and two two great daughters. So, you know, lessons. What kind of lessons? To, we'll we'll wrap this up. I see we're getting we're getting along on time, but what lessons do you think from everything we've talked about? You know, do you find yourself really is like kind of the top ones that you try to impart on on your daughters, on your kids? Um the the thing that i think is i'm starting to realize and that i want it to become gradual is like your 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 kids are going to fail and they're going to experience pain and to remind yourself that that's just part of like you've that's part of the growing process and i think if you don't allow them to do that and I say this to like, you, uh, this is like an inner monologue. If you don't allow them to do that, like they're not going to develop to be, you know, productive adult citizens. Like, so you've got to get out of the way. I think one of the things I appreciated, like with my parents growing up, or particularly my dad, like he never said anything to any of my coaches. Like, you know, never, like didn't, didn't get involved in like, uh, you know, picking teams, making cuts, you know, like high school, like our high school basketball coach used, used to every four letter word and he <laughs> like call us names and like all the stuff. And it was just like, yeah, it's like you learn to deal with it. You learn to hear, uh, what they're saying, not how they're saying it. And I think letting kids figure that out, um, is important. And so I want my kids to know like, yeah, I'm going to protect them. <laughs> but I'm not going to protect them at the expense of, you know, their um, learning, like, life lessons and things that are going to help them grow. Like, yeah, I'm not going to put them in jeopardy, but I'm also not going to, you know, if someone says something they don't like, they're going to have to learn to stick up for themselves. 
um, I might, you know, if they come to me, might like coach them about like how they do that or like, you know, acknowledge their feelings, but like, I'm not going to go and insert myself. Like they need, those are skills like they need to develop. And I think if you don't allow them to do that or put them in the situations, um, that, that, uh, impedes their ability to, uh, to grow. So I think that's kind of the thing I'm thinking about now. Yeah. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, in that you're not going to, you don't want to set them up to feel like you're always going to be there no. to step in to handle something because obviously we're not, right? Yeah. We're not always going to be there and there's yeah. going to come a time, you know, most likely we're not going to be like, we're going to be dead and gone and they're going to have to know how to handle, handle things. So yeah, yeah. I think that's, there's some, there's a lot of wisdom in and, that. And on the selfish side of that, like, yeah, maybe you're, if you do insert yourself, you're averting, averting or um, avoiding some pain personally from seeing your kid upset or whatever in the short term. But in the long term, you're actually doing more pain for yourself yeah. because they're always going to need you, and right. they're not, you know, they're not going to be independent. Them. Yeah, yeah. conditioning them, to, and yeah. <laughs> that's going to become a problem at some point. You know. No, I think that's um, that's wise, man. Well, so don't just focus on the short short term. And yeah. I feel like there's a lot nowadays that. Yeah. Yeah, like sometimes the calibration has been offset a little bit in certain things for sure. But yeah, that's that's it's wise. Sometimes I I feel like I'm a a little bit too comfortable saying no all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, am I just an asshole? Like, or just like, but like your kids need to hear say no. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So sometimes like we, we jokingly say like to, to our kid, like it's, you're not always going to get everything you want no. in life. That's just no. not how it works. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, that's, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, been going I'm sure far? we're, we're just over an hour and a half, man. Oh, so wow. this is pretty good. Yeah. There's a lot we could probably talk about, a lot a lot of other topics we could probably touch on that I feel like we have common interest and probably a lot of people have interest in talking about right now. But, I mean, for the sake of an hour and a half and the fact that we have empty yeah. empty bourbon glasses sure. now. Um, yeah, cheers. So, Pat, thanks so much, man, for joining yeah, us. This is appreciate fun. having me um, on. Yeah, hope to have you back <laughs> in the future if your schedule allows. Um, and thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time.